Grace and peace, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's great to see each and every one of you this evening to come together to worship our great and awesome God who deserves all glory, all praise in every moment of our lives, at each and every time in our lives, and that we may be able to give him glory in all that we do. What a great song to sing, to think of the morning of joy, when the Lord will be with the Lord forever. Great and awesome hope, confidence, faith that we have that one day we will be with the Lord for eternity. In him we already have eternal life, the greatest gift that's ever been given in Jesus Christ. And to know to have that, to look forward to, to be with Jesus, to be in heaven. What a great and glorious thought that that is. And you know what? One of the most important things on, the, on, on Jesus' mind in his life was above all that he would glorify the Father in all that he would do. We all understand Jesus, and I talked about it, touched on it a little bit this morning when Jesus was walking here on the earth. He says, look, if you don't believe me, believe the deeds that I have done. For I have not come to glorify myself, but glorify my Father. And in fact, the very words I say in John 14 are not my own, but are the Father's words. I and the Father are one. Jesus says all of these things because above all, he desires to have that relationship with the Lord. Desires to glorify God the Father. Desires to glorify God with all of who he is as he is here on this earth as his son. And as Jesus is here on this earth, he will pray to his father. In John 17, he says, Father, I'm so ready, knowing that my time is close. And the father, the glory that we had before the beginning of time, I'm going back to that glory. What an awesome thought for Jesus. Not only in that prayer, Jesus prays for him. He will pray for his disciples and he'll say, Lord, protect them while they're in this world. Keep them, save them. From the enemies and the attacks. But Lord, I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but to give them strength. And then Jesus will go on to pray for us who are here tonight. For all of those who will believe in him, he says, Lord, I want them to be one as we are one. And Jesus desires, we see from the time that he was here and he understood who he was, he wanted to be in the father's house when he was a young child. And Joseph and Mary had left him and they were looking for him and they went back to Jerusalem. Where did they find him? He said, Didn't you not think I would be at my father's house? Jesus' desire was to glorify the Lord with all of who he is. Each and every moment in his life. Now, as Jesus is walking through this life, God will talk to Jesus. A couple of instances where we see this is when Jesus is baptized and the dove comes down. And the voice of the Lord says, this is my son in whom I am well Pleased, I love him. God is reassuring Jesus that he is the father loves his son. And another moment in the life when Peter, James, and John go on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they say Moses, Elijah, and Jesus there. And Peter says, let's make three, 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 three markers to remember this moment. To where we are. To remember who they are and what this happened. And then a cloud covered over the Lord, covered over that place. And a voice from heaven came and said, This is my son. Listen to him. And then there's also another instance that God is going to talk. And we're going to see that tonight. And we're going to see that as we look at tonight. When Jesus, when we look through the gospel of John, over and over again, it will say that the Pharisees came to arrest him. But Jesus escaped. Or people would come after him and things would happen. And they said that he went through the crowds. 
In all of these times, when they said, watch out, Jesus, be careful, Jesus, Jesus would say, my time has not yet come. But you know what? The time was coming. For what? Remember, Jesus living on this earth with all that he's done, from the time he was small, as we talked about, from the time he was, began his ministry with the disciples, and everything he did, the culmination of everything he is doing, of how he wants to glorify the Lord with all of who he is, is now coming. He had gone to the lost of Israel. Many had come to him and heard of him and believed in him. Many had not. And in John chapter 12, where we're going to be tonight, if you want to open your Bibles, in John chapter 12, starting in verse 20, we're going to see that some other people begin coming to Jesus. And Jesus will take this as a sign that his time is coming close. If you'd like to open your Bibles with me tonight, in John chapter 12, verse 20 says this. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Remember the beginning of the Gospel of John. They're calling people to Jesus. Those from, uh, from Israel. And now these Greeks are coming and wanting to hear Jesus. And at this moment, we start to understand that Jesus is seeing that people from all nations are beginning to come to him. Remember when Jesus was talking to the Syrophoenician woman, she said, Jesus. He says what? Look, I came for the people of Israel. And she said, well, what about the dogs eat off of that table? And he said, wow, what great faith that you have. Okay? Talking about those who were not of Jewish descent. But in this moment, in this moment, in this time, Jesus desired so much for the people of God, known as the people of God, to come to him. Remember when he would walk into Jerusalem, he says, how long have I wanted to gather you like hens or like chicks underneath my wing? But you did not want to listen. But in Jesus' final moments, at this very time, we start to understand while Jesus is talking in the Gospel of John, not one time, not two times, but three times, he will talk to his disciples and say, the Son of Man will have to die and suffer and on the third day be raised again. But I want us to think, what is on Jesus' mind in these last moments? Look what it says here in John chapter 20, John chapter 12, as we begin to see this unfolding. When Philip and them comes with the Greeks, it says this about Jesus. In verse 23, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will be also. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus, first of all, understood that, yes, I am going to die. As he says, a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies. 
He understands that his life is about to be given for humanity. His life is to be given as the sacrifice for our sins. And all that is going on and all that is happening. But Jesus in dying, Jesus in obeying is thinking, you know what? Oh, Lord, God, I'm your child. But many more are going to become children of God as well. Jesus was thinking about you and me, even in these moments of his life, thinking of his death and how he was going to glorify the Lord. Imagine that when we talked about that prayer that he said earlier. God, I pray for me to be in the glory where I was with you in the beginning. For my apostles and for all those who are far off. Can you believe it, Ronald Carson? Jesus said, I'm praying for that Ronald 2,000 years later. And for all of us who are here today, Jesus took time to think about you and me who are living today. When? Oh, when everything was going well? No, when he knew that his time had come. His time was coming for him to die for the sins of the world. Jesus thought of you and he thought of me. And Jesus, being the great teacher that he is, he wants to show us and he wants to help us. Hey, do you want to be where I am? Do you want to go where I'm going? You know, later on, he'll say in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm going to go prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you there. But how is Jesus going to take us there? Who is Jesus going to take with him? And he says and he explains it to help us who are living today and all those who have lived in Christ Jesus. The first thing that he says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. And we understand that when Jesus is talking here, he's talking about life in this world. If this world is so important to us that we don't keep our minds on heavenly things and only on material things, only on earthly things, we will lose the life that is truly life. In Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus is talking about storing up treasure, not in earth where moth and rust destroy, but treasures in heaven. And Jesus will explain it this way. Wherever, wherever your heart is, There your treasure will be also. And so we ask ourselves, where is my treasure, Lord? Where is my heart? Is it built only to live in this world? Or am I able to think about the world that has come? And Lord God, am I ready and am I preparing myself, Lord, to be with you one day? And as he says here and he comes here, anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Oh, Lord, God, help this life to not be so valuable that I forget the most valuable thing in the world, my soul, that I don't lose the most valuable dwelling place that we have, heaven itself. Jesus will go on to say, what gains a man if he wins the, gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Jesus is telling us and making us and helping us to focus that the things that are important are eternal. Things on this earth will go. We talked this morning just a little bit. What is your life? A vapor, a cloud that's just a mist that's here for a moment and it's gone. And we focus so much time on this little part here compared to the eternity that is for us who are in Christ Jesus. God help us, as Colossians 3 would say, to keep our minds and our hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 
where you, Christ is, my life is hidden in Christ, where it's no longer about me, but about him. And Jesus is showing us in these verses here, Lord God, help me to love you so much that I don't ever lose focus. That that's the most important thing. Man, sometimes I get anxious about things on this earth. Do you? Sometimes I get stressed out. Because maybe I, and sometimes, and I'm saying this for myself, sometimes I think if I just have this or that, life would be great. Life would be perfect. And you know what? I sure hope I don't continue to think like that all the time. Because most people, when they get whatever that thing is, not too long, they're already looking for something else, right? It's a satisfaction that cannot be found in this world. And I pray that none of us get, never get satisfied in this world, that we have a desire to be with the Lord, to be in heaven with him. And Jesus says the first thing that we need to do is deny ourselves and look to him and remember that the heavenly things that are in store for us. Ephesians 1 says, all spiritual blessings are in Christ Jesus, our Lord. <clears throat> but not only that, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be. We can't pay lip service to Jesus. We can't say, Lord, I'm your servant, and yet I'm going to go live like the world does. And I'm going to do the things that the world enjoys. I'm going to go and do all the sinful things, Lord, because in the end, I'm going to be saved by you. Is that what God says? No. He says, whoever serves me must follow me. Jesus is saying these things. He knows that his time has come. And above all, he wants us to be able to focus on the same things that he's focusing on at that moment. Do you not think he's going through temptation himself? Do you not think he's thinking, Lord, is there another way? Three times we understand in the garden, he prays, not my will be done, but yours. Jesus is not saying anything that he did not go through. Jesus went through temptation. Jesus went through the things of thinking, Lord, if there's another way. And sometimes we think that also. But Lord God, I'm your servant. And I've been called to follow you. Help me to say, Lord, with all of my heart and soul, not my will done, be done, but your will be done in my life. And you know what it says will happen when we're understanding the world won't understand it. One of the youth this weekend said that when they're at school and their friends say, why do you waste your time waking up Sunday morning to go to worship? Why do you waste your time going to that place at church? Why? Because the world says everything's here. Sleeping in. That's nothing. What? We are not wasting our time. Amen. We believe in the God. We believe in our time together. And we believe that the Lord will honor us. Not because we deserve it. But because of who he is. Look what he says. My father will honor the one who serves me. Wow. You know, as it says on that day, we'll get before God and he'll say, we are, we will say to him, we are unworthy servants. We are unworthy. We understand that we are sinners. But God will say to us, well done and good and faithful servant. Wow. How's that possible? Because of me? No. Because of Jesus. And Jesus was thinking about you and me when he knew that his time has come. 
Take comfort in knowing that 2,000 years later, when Jesus in that prayer was thinking about us who are sitting in this place. But not only us, all those who are in the world. As long as they have breath, Jesus is praying that they may also come to the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that they may not love the world more than him. And understand what world, will understand what true life is in Jesus Christ. This is Jesus' promise to those who follow him. Jesus was thinking about that. Now I want to ask you, was it easy for Jesus? Hebrews says that he called out to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. And he was heard because of his reverent submission to the Lord as his father. But look what it says in verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Have you ever thought about it this way? When you think about this, have you ever trained for something? Each and every day, being prepared to do something, and then that day comes when you have to do it. And what do you feel before that day comes? Maybe those butterflies. Oh, am I going to be able to do everything that I've been studying, everything that I've been preparing for? It's come to this moment. And then when you're able to get to that moment, you're able to do that thing that you've been preparing for, and you make it through it. Oh, wow. Thank you, God. Right? Jesus at this time is saying, am I going to be able to make it through? Jesus, not only in the garden praying, not my will, but yours be done. Remember when he was on the cross, what did he say when the, when with everybody around him? Do you not know I could call the angels from heaven and they could come and save me from this hour? Was that not on his mind? Of course it was. But he did not call them. Because he understood he had to bear the iniquities of the world. He had to bear your sin and my sin and the sins of the whole world. And Jesus in this is saying what? Lord God, in this moment, so strong and where I'm troubled in my soul, and maybe you feel troubled sometimes when something's coming up in your life, and Lord God, I want to do your will, and I want to make sure that I do your will and what I'm doing. And say these words simply like Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. God, in whatever I'm going to do, your name be glorified. Amen. This morning when I wake up, your name be glorified. When I go to sleep, your name be glorified. Whenever kind of meeting I have throughout the day, your name be glorified. Put it on our hearts to remember, let God, whatever I do, your name be glorified. Just as it says in Colossians 3, whatever you do in word and deed, do it to the name of our Father, giving thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord, giving all the glory to him. And look what it says here. The third time that we hear a voice from heaven coming in John. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Something grand, majestic had happened. And you know, that's why, if you've ever asked, why in these movies, when it does the voice of God, does it sound like thunder? Or they have that very deep voice like that, okay? My voice can't get as deep as some, but something like that, okay? 
comes from this idea. When they heard it, it was the voice sounded like thunder. But those who were willing to hear understood it. John understood it. Okay, and sometimes people don't want to understand the voice of God. But God says, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Now, I want you to think about that. Why did God say that now? Did he say that for Jesus sake? Did Jesus want him to say that to give him confidence? Look what it says in the scriptures. Verse 30, Jesus said, this voice was for my benefit. No, this voice was for your benefit. Not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. When Jesus says, I am lifted from the earth and will draw all people to myself. How did he understand that his time had come? Who is coming to him now? Not only the people of Israel, not only the Jews, but also the Greeks of other nations are coming to him. And in this part right here, Jesus says, the voice that you heard was not for my benefit, but for yours. Wow. Can you imagine how much Jesus even at the point of knowing that he's going to die, is thinking about you and me. He is concerned for us. And in his concern, he leaves us with counsel. In his concern, he leaves us with teaching. And in his concern, he leaves us this with the voice of God here, as he said, and they said it to them beyond in front of them. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine when they heard the voice? And we still ask, how can people not believe, right? Even when this happened. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Remember, the Jews are looking for a Messiah, a king who's going to rule on this earth. And when they understood the Son of Man being lifted up, they understood somebody was going to rule here. So Jesus dying, how, are you, how do you put that with the being the Son of Man? What are you talking about? And we understand that Jesus said this because he was talking. And he said, that, he said this to show them the kind of death he was going to die. Jesus was going to be lifted up on the cross for the sins of the world. The son of man was going to be lifted up. Praise God. He was lifted up on the third day. Praise God. He can be lifted up in our lives today. But in this moment and at this time, Jesus is saying the son of man will be lifted up. I am going to die. But praise God. Jesus, when he was on the earth talking in John, as we said earlier, three times said, Son of man is going to die, and on the third day, he will be raised again. Amen. On the third day, he will be raised again. And what we think in this verse is here, as we talk about, imagine, talked about preparing, being ready for this day. As Tim has talked about, Genesis 3.15, when God talks to the serpent and says, he will what? Get your foot right here in the back 
and he is going to stomp your neck, okay? Head, okay? Not head, neck. Neck and head, all of it together, okay? Stomp it, okay? In Genesis 3.15, God made a prophecy about Jesus in that time. And all the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, Ezekiel, all of those, all the Psalms, the Proverbs that talk and prophesying the king who would come, major prophets, minor prophets, all of them talking about the Jesus who would come, talking about the Messiah that would come, and all the things that the Messiah would fulfill. And Jesus at the end saying, the time has come to fulfill all of those things. Lord God, you be glorified. I'm going to do it. Not your will be done. Not my will be done. But your will be done. And you know what Jesus says to us? You know what? Because of that, many will come. He says that we will, as he says here, time for, time for judgment on this world has now come. The prince of this world will be driven out. Satan has no longer held us captive. If we are in Christ Jesus, we have been freed from sin and death. Jesus has freed all of us. Jesus has paid the ultimate price to redeem anyone who comes to him. And as we see here on this part here, what does Jesus desire for us? Now that we're living in him today, living our lives in him, look what it says in verse 35. Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be here just a little bit longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. But I want you to know, even when I'm gone, you're going to be the light of the world. We are, as he says in Matthew 5. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Okay? Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. Jesus, still talking to those who are with him, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, those who were planning and plotting to murder him and to kill him, Jesus is still saying, look, the light is with you. Don't continue walking in darkness Look to me, I am the light of the world. Don't stay in the darkness. And Jesus is asking us today, don't stay in the darkness. And he goes on to see, believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them at that moment. Jesus understood that his time was near. And he would call us to be children of light. Why is that so important? First Peter will say it this way, that we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. We have been brought, we have been, as it says in 1 Peter, talking about the kingdom in 2 Peter chapter 1. We have been brought from the kingdom of darkness, the dominion of darkness, to the dominion, to the kingdom of light. That means we know where we're going. This world still doesn't know where it's going. 
Why do you think this world still is doing everything to live longer? To stay looking younger? Because they don't want to think that one day they're going to die. And they think, well, if I do this and I do that, maybe I can live a little bit longer. But a little bit longer is nothing compared to eternal life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ tonight, those of us who are in the light, those of us who are children of light, may we remember that as long as we are living on this earth, that we can continue to take this light into the darkness. And as it says in Ephesians, wake up, O sleeper, and let Christ shine on you. We want to take it to the people, the gospel message, the light of the world. You are the light of the world, as Jesus says. And Jesus says in that in Matthew chapter 5, let the people so see your good deeds, be light, so that they may see your good deeds and do what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus We see here just a couple of things. The kernel of wheat would die, but would be fruitful. And many children have come to Christ, come to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. God is saying for us in all that we do, Father, may we glorify your name. And while we're on this earth, may we have the mind of Jesus, knowing that we're dying but still praying for one more other person to come to Christ. As we go out through this year, let us be children of light. Let us remember that one day we are going to die, but remember as long as we're on this earth, we are a living sacrifice to God. And in all things, God, you be glorified. And one day, we will be lifted up and raised from our graves. And we will live for eternity with our Lord. First Thessalonians chapter four says, you know what? The dead in Christ shall rise first and then those who are living will be called up with him into the clouds and we will be with the Lord forever. And as Tim has wrote, see, Tim, I read your articles. See, nothing about Bethlehem. Okay, so I'm I'm doing good tonight. First Thessalonians five, Tim says this, and they said that after that. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Tonight, tonight. Is the encouraging words to know that our time is near. Our time is short. Let's live our lives to glorify God with all that we have. Going to him in prayer, serving him in every way. And as we do that, let's bring others along also. You know, we're about to sing a song now. And the song that we're about to sing at this moment, don't forget about Jesus. This is an opportunity you have tonight, if you are not in Christ, to give your life to Christ. To be translated from the dominion of darkness into his wonderful light. And praise God, Jesus has shown us the way through his word of how we come to be with him. How we come to have life in him. How, as he says, as we said earlier in Romans 6, we were buried in his baptism and raised to new life. We are a new creation, as it says in Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, when we are circumcised, when we were buried with Christ in baptism and raised to newness of life through our faith in the power of God. God wants that and desires that for you tonight if you are not in Christ. And all of us who are in Christ tonight, we want to pray for you in any way, in every way that you need prayers for this evening. Whatever it may be, Go continuing and asking the Lord 
Not my will be done, but your will be done. Lord, be glorified. Glorify the Lord this evening, tomorrow, and every day this week, and every day as long as we have life. And remember, wow, heaven's in store. Heaven's in store. Heaven's in store for each one of us. Let's look forward to that day and look eager to its coming. Come as we stand and sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.